everybody welcome to the house of mario episode 57 and we are the nintendo podcast a part of the ap collective i'm your host drew agnew and joining me as always is my best buddy bryce dewitt hello hello <laughs> and joining us for the second time ever is paul james from player2.net how you going dude yeah i'm going well it's good to be back it's been a while i think last time was the two of us and dylan from uh explosion network yeah uh Start of this year, I think. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I was banging it, it, on about Kid Icarus coming to the Switch as it should, and I'll probably do it again before this podcast is out. It didn't happen, <laughs> though, did it? <laughs> Unfortunately. I mean, does it count? He's in Smash. Uh, yeah, well, no, that counts. There you go. <laughs> we'll give it to you. <laughs> uh, we've, we've got a news field episode this week. We're talking about the IGN plagiarism scandal. Uh, Nintendo sold a lot of hardware units... And uh, a few other things. So we'll start there, guys. Um, yeah, what a, what a huge week for <laughs> for gaming journalism and uh, like ni- the, for the Nintendo community as well. It was ugly. Yeah, ugly is one word for it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think I think uh, this has kind of just been a massive Twitter war for ninety percent of it, an actual controversy for ten percent of it. Mm. As, yeah, the, as we all know, Twitter's Twitter's full of uh, rage culture. Yeah, yeah. The, the rage culture sort of come after. So I'll just I'll recap it in case someone hasn't been paying that much attention to it. But uh, at this point, a lot of people have already talked about it a fair bit on YouTube. But I just I just want to put our two cents into the uh, into the matter, I guess. So um, er- earlier last week, uh, Nintendo editor from IGN. Philip Mewson put out his review of Dead Cells and uh, not long after that a small channel by the name of Boomstick Gaming put out a video saying uh, basically IGN copied my review what do I do and it wasn't long after IGN actually pulled that review and uh, questioned Philip Mewson and the day after he was let go and IGN uh, let out a, an apology and then a couple of days later, Philip actually brought up a video on YouTube um, trying to sort of better the matter, but uh, <laughs> I think it made it 200% worse <laughs> for, for him. Uh, like, like, sorry, Paul, like, like you, you're, uh, you know, you do a lot of writing yourself. This must <laughs> hit pretty close to home for you. Well, something that, I mean, yes, yes, I do. And I remember there was a, a job that went up for IGN, just freelancing stuff a few months ago that I went went for and, and I didn't hear back. And I mean, that's probably par for the course for 99% of people that they kind of, you don't hear anything and you just keep trying and hope that one day something will pay off. But um, it kind of, I was sitting back and listening to, not, not to be sitting here pumping up our own channel and our own content, but I was actually listening to the Player 2 podcast the other day, which I wasn't on. But uh, Hope Corrigan, who does a bit of work freelancing for IGN, it turned out she actually applied for um, that role and apparently got interviewed like three or four times. So she was basically in it up to her nose and uh, ultimately missed out. So she was kind of describing how she felt when this news came out and then as Philip kind of doubled down on... on Well, I don't know, it's debatable. Some people are still talking about his response, good, bad or otherwise, but... uh, 
Um, certainly what I interpret as him doubling down on what he did. And uh, she just spoke about how angry and upset that kind of made her because she was bending over backwards for this position. She knew that even for it to happen, even if they said yes, there'd be all sort of visa, you know, all sorts of visa bits and pieces, I guess, like what happened with Alana Pierce when she was working over there. Um, and it was a real kind of kick in the teeth for something like this to happen because the, the staff at IGN, whoever was on the, the panel or whoever made the decision, couldn't really have known. But uh, I'm sure that smarts a little bit. So then for the rest of us who are kind of small fries and we have this, maybe this dream of making it to the top there, yeah, it's just a reminder of the fact that I'm sure there's some people out there that maybe get an armchair ride and blow it. Yeah. Like, looking back at his YouTube channel, he, he had done a like really good job of uh, you know reviewing Switch accessories, doing games, etc. Who, who knows where he actually got that? content from in the end it's, it's come out that he has copied other reviews from Nintendo Life and Engadget but it, yeah it, it hits, hits close to home for me because I am I'm, I'm a big fan of IGN and I'm a big fan of NVC I've, I've been listening to NVC for about 7 years and like in turn I've been listening to Philip for about so 9 months since he last since he got hired so ha- having having him having this come out it yeah, it's 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 unfortunate because yeah. Hmm. I think I think the uh, worst thing about all this was him making that apology and it being just so damn weak because you really can't call it an apology. Yeah, I was about to say I don't think he really did in the end. He tried to justify more than anything else. Yeah, but like there was no justification to be had. He blatantly ripped off people's reviews. He apologized to IGN and he apologized to the developers, but he didn't apologize to Boomstick. Like, that guy was fretting on, like, whether his review was going to be seen as his own. Um, whether the hard work that he put into it himself was going to be justified. Um, but obviously, obviously it was rectified really quickly. Uh, I don't understand why Philip couldn't uh, just make a flat-out apology to him. I'm not sure. I'm, like, for the, for the sake of IGN's credibility, it was probably a good thing he apologised to them. Um, but in out of all the three people that he could have apologized to for this situation, he didn't he didn't apologize to the most important one. Who was that? Boomstick. Hmm. Yeah, he sort of just said, "Oh, you know, keep doing what you're doing, man. That's it's really good." It's like, dude, you just copied. <laughs> it's it's you. great to rip off. Yeah. Like, to be fair, he's half right. Keep doing what you're doing because yeah, there's a few people I've heard that have gone through and looked at his content and uh, have had really glowing things to say, but, yeah, I think he's kind of missing the point somewhat. Yeah. Like, I went and gave him a, like, a subscription because why not? I'm like... <laughs> and he's he's close to 60,000 subscribers now from, you know, a bit from under ten. 20. Yeah. It's, so, it's been a meteoric rise. And it's good for the game, too. I dare say a lot of people will find out about the game just from reading Dead Cells review plagiarized, and they'll go, well, what's Dead Cells? And they'll find it from there, too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Just uh, going... Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, no, go on. Just going back to your uh, other point, Paul, I've got a a quote from DJ DJ Gillard, who's a member of the Kind of Funny group. And this this comment was actually brought to my attention by Buddy Watson. Uh, Thank you very much, Buddy. (laughs) He actually uh, read it on the uh, Review Culture podcast as well. And I thought it was just a fantastic point to bring up. uh, So I thought I'll share it with you guys. 
So DJ says, I've been stewing over this all day and I've thought about it and I'd like to share. Uh, did Philip really not realise how lucky and privileged he was? He was Nintendo editor of the biggest gaming website in the world. Do you know how incredibly talented and passionate people would have done that job properly? Who would have pulled multiple all-nighters to hit that embargo properly? People that have viewed his job as their dream job since they were kids. There are thousands of incredible writers, hosts, and video editors out there who are working as hard as they can to make it out in the world in this oversaturated industry who would have killed to be in his position. This isn't a disrespect to Boomstick, the developer of Dead Cells, or IGN. This is a disrespect to everyone out there working as hard as they can to break into the games media. I think that's the worst part about this. Is it, Again, he has... It really just does seem like he's taken it for granted. Mm. Um, see, I, I've only ever listened to a couple of episodes of NVC... Don't really know that much about Philip. I watched the apology video. I followed the news story because I figured, hey, you know, it's a big thing in the Nintendo community. It's obviously going to come up for us. But, like, just... that What that person said was right. That was... That's like that's like so many kids' dream jobs. They want to work in, like, an industry job like that where they get to play games and, you know, get to talk about them and people actually listen to your opinions you put out, like, in a mass response. So... I mean, whether whether he did it because he was lazy, or whether he did it just because he thought he could get away with it, um, mm. either like it, there's not really an excuse as to why he did it. Yeah. Um, even if he came out and said, "Oh, well, I I did it because I don't know, I had to rush my dog to hospital and it wasn't a <laughs> deadline," like that's still not a reason to do it. I. And, and and even you know that sort of one like if you know a death in the family or rushing a dog to hospital those sort of things, I mean everything we see and hear out of staff at IGN or of anyone who's had anything to do with IGN they only have glowing things to say about the staff there. So if he came to them with a you know decent reason such as those that you just mentioned there, they're good people. Like they are, look sure you know things happen. It's horrible. Sorry. I hope everything gets better get the review done when you can or do you want to do you want someone to take it off your hands for you just so you can get through yeah. this like oh uh, yeah um when when this first sort of broke um i i did an insider episode for the player two channel and whilst i kind of acknowledged that he'd absolutely done the wrong thing and it was it was really quite foolish of him something i really tried to promote in the in the video was let's try and be a little bit forgiving of the guy like he's made a mistake but let's not lynch him he's probably already done enough damage to his career let's not keep sinking the boots in and and i still kind of stand by that bit to an extent but i have felt as as the days have progressed since and the apology or apology quote unquote came out um i've felt less and less sympathy like i'm i'm finding it harder and harder to give him that that proverbial kind of pat on the back and you know it's okay everything will be right something because he's he's just digging the hole deeper and deeper and he's deserving that forgiveness less and less yeah um i've I've struggled as the days have gone on yeah i definitely Mm. agree with your point there sort of he's he's lost his job he's had his punishment he's not going to get another jobs a job in the game industry i don't know i don't know how much of a hate mob has to go after him to sort of make up for it but what really concerned me in his apology or quote-unquote apology video was the fact he said it's just a part of the review process how is it a part of the review process 
you know, looking at other people's reviews. I understand um, maybe maybe if you have never written a review before and you're like, oh, how do I structure a review? How do I, you know, cap it off? How do I start it? Etc. But he's he's written reviews before. He's done it on his YouTube YouTube channel. He's done uh, reviews on IGN, like the Wolfenstein port, the Switch, and uh, like multiple other games. I don't know how checking out someone else's review is a part of that process, let alone making it so similar. <laughs> you know, I I do agree. Like when I first got going, and jeez, oh, it's been five or six years since I first started to attempt to write game reviews. I certainly looked all over the internet to kind of understand how people would write them and um, what worked and what didn't and then I'd, I'd write a piece and before I and I mean at the very beginning I was just publishing it as a post on Facebook just for anyone who'd kind of read it mm. but like I'd look around and I'd see how at the time you Greg Millers and those sort of people of the world um, would structure a piece and and how it all come together and I learned a lot from that but now like you, you just you can, um, now that I've actually you know got myself a proper gig of sorts and um, and I've kind of taken time to learn my way through this and I would definitely not say that I've mastered it but uh, I've learned a lot about how this process works like you just can't do that anymore Um, and I think one of the best things for me in my writing actually has been scenarios like Dead Cells for example where you've got an embargo so you you don't even have like that safety net is completely taken away you will either butcher the review (laughs) or you're not or you don't Um, and you kind of have to really sit down and formulate your own thoughts and I think I think the first time I ever got to do that was oh, for Player 2 anyway was Rise of the Tomb Raider a few years back I think I'd done it beforehand but the game escapes me um, and the challenge of being able to sit there and formulate your own ideas and you, you've got no other conversations be it in podcast form or written word or anything you have nothing that's in your head you have to purely come up with your own thoughts independently I thought that was one of the best things for me yeah. um, and my development but uh, clearly didn't work so much for Philip no well, I guess it was a unique situation for Dead Cells because it was on early access on Steam, whereas if it didn't have that, Boomstick wouldn't have had his review out and he wouldn't have had anything to have a look at. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because um, that that game has been in early access for so long now. Hmm. Um, I'd been hearing praises sung about it longer than six months ago. They're like, oh, this is a really cool game and I'm really enjoying it sort of thing. I bought it on early access all you know and i I got all the niceties about it it's a game that deserves the attention right it it deserves the attention uh for individual opinion Mm -hmm. so why why he made the decision to go and plagiarize a whole nother person's review is beyond me like if you were to sit down and like a lot of a lot of people's like game of the year is celeste could you imagine if this was done with celeste yeah that's right yeah well, I mean, imagine if something like that happened with God of War. I know it's not a Nintendo game, but God of War or Red Dead in a few months, like or Smash. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Something yeah, like sure. that. It just the place it implode. Whatever publication did that, especially God of War or Red Dead. Like yeah. Red Dead Two is going to be absolutely huge. I'm a massive Red Dead fan, and if I if if it had been about Red Dead, I would have flipped shit. <laughs> um. <laughs> um, that that game is going to be incredible, and like I played through God of War, and I thought it was a fantastic reboot. It's the same sort of thing. It does, but it in saying that a tri- like a triple A title, like a really big title, um, should always hold the same sort of standard when it comes to that so- uh, that sort of thing in terms of reviews with indies. 
in, yeah, I agree. It, 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 it really doesn't matter whether it's an indie game or whether it's like a multi-million budget game. really doesn't matter. If somebody's plagiarized a review and it's it's come out it's come to light it, then it needs to be rectified i don't think i don't think uh it being a smaller game devalues anything like that no i think you're right it's an integrity thing oh yeah for <laughs> sure uh so i'm glad that it did come to light and that boomstick got what he he deserved which was the praise for the really good review and philip got his comeuppance and suffered the consequences and like i don't want to I don't want to sound like an ass because you're right. Uh, his career's his career in the game industry is probably ruined forever now. But uh, with an opportunity like that to be such a big part of gaming journalism, mm. I mean, he'll he'll be able to salvage something on YouTube. But um, nobody's going to trust his word anymore. Yeah, the thing but is, I think his sub numbers have actually still gone up in spite of all this. I think they it's, will, you know, they will at least temporarily anyway. And he, they, he, they they will because it's it's controversy and people fucking yeah. love controversy on the internet, oh, especially but, YouTube <laughs> and Twitter. It's like where they just seem to swarm. But people are going to find his stuff after all this has died down. Like, um, like you, you know what the internet's like. It's going to be nothing in a month. People are going to forget about Philip and what he's done and they're gonna if he's making videos they're gonna come up in algorithms and people are gonna watch them it's it's been a really bad week for online personalities in general yeah yeah because we also had the ninja thing which I'm not gonna I'm not even gonna bother touching that that thing was just stupid (laughs) um but just reading some of the comments I do I do agree I do agree with the comment that um probably just lay off him a little bit to stop being the lynch mob because while he did something wrong none of you none of your hateful comments are gonna gonna affect his career even more he's done he's gone yeah yeah there's plenty of uh media types that i follow on twitter and they're all saying the same things about him and i'm talking about non-ign people um and they're all saying the same sorts of things about him i think it's completely uh, borderline impossible for him to find a way back into that particular portion of the game's um, scene. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'll laugh if next week he puts out a tweet, hey guys, I've got a job at GameSpot. <laughs> Come yeah. and check out my new <laughs> I'm, article. I'm going to Rooster Teeth. <laughs> going to Rooster Teeth, yeah. This was just a big setup. Um, um, there must be one particular group that's rubbing their hands together with this whole thing. I'm sure it's a bit of controversy, but surely the team at, uh, responsible for Dead Cells are wading their way through pools of money at the moment that have come in because of all the publicity that's generated for their game. Mm. I know there's, you know, people said you need to apologise to them, but I think in some ways they're going, can someone else do it? Like, just come on more. Like, give us give us these sales. <laughs> 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 um, I, can, I can see just from the Australian eShop charts, it's number one. It's been number one since it came out. It's just selling really well. I don't know uh, where, how well it's selling elsewhere, but... Yeah, it's absolutely killing it at the moment. So I hope it hope it continues. I haven't even picked it up yet. I haven't got to play it yet. But um, yeah, I've got I really to play Hollow Knight before I play Dead Cells. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you're in for a treat with Hollow Knight. <laughs> I, I've played a little bit of it. I just haven't I just haven't encroached further and deeper down into that hole yet. I still got uh, still got a bit of time before I did that. I, I did I did the first big boss in Hollow Knight. Hmm so far and I still got more to go but with the, with the similarities in 
how the game is played to some degree i i, I gotta finish that first before i because i can't juggle two of the same genre at once i'm a one-trick pony <laughs> you can't do that a works. backflip or anything nice i can't do a backflip while also doing a corkscrew no, well, right. fair, fair enough <laughs> uh i just want to end this uh this conversation on uh just the fact like we, we said on social media twitter and that that uh, games journalists did not want to see Philip you know, go on anyone's podcast, YouTube channel, whatever, and have an interview and you know get get what actually happened. Um, and polit- politics and that aside, I-, I found that fairly disappointing because while while they're looking at it as angry games journalists, I'm you know there's there's people like me and thousands of other people who watch Philip on on YouTube and also listen to him and Brian and everyone else on MVC every week who want to know, you know what happened and why he did it. You now he's got an audience that like he's he's responsible for telling the truth to and if he's not going to tell it, I'm sure there'll be many other talented people that will get it out of him. So I don't see why um yeah, like a lot of journalists just didn't want to be a part of it, I, I know. I know. I, I know a lot of people are really angry because of what he's done. But I, I do actually agree with you there. Like a few of those people, and obviously there's some from really big name outlets that I don't know personally. But there's a few people that, like your Dave Milner's, and oh, not necessarily him specifically, but you know, kind of within the higher up within our local industry um, yeah. that I know personally have yeah said those sorts of things and. Um, I'm sitting back kind of scratching my head and going, look, I'm friends with you, but I'm sorry. You're a games journalist. You're being an idiot. Come on, journalism is going and getting these stories and understanding why. And yep. we, I think it's important that someone, whoever that is, and it's Jason Shry that's trying to lead the charge, but it seems like Philip's kind of um, putting the wall up to most people at the moment. Um, I think we need someone to be able to do that sit-down conversation with him or online conversation whatever it ends up looking like but have that conversation with him and really get down to the nitty-gritty as to why this happened um because i'm sure there's other people who have considered it that are maybe doing it and have just not been caught um and that's that's probably a sad reality but i'm sure that's the case somewhere um and i think it's important that we kind of get those perspectives we, we can sit back and accept that it's wrong and maybe by the time he does that interview he'll also come to agree that yes I did the wrong thing and I can't really defend it the way I did in that video initially <laughs> but um, to kind of understand what was going on in his head I think that's really important for all of us regardless yeah. of our perspective on the matter I mean I agree with that but I think I think in the end and this is circling back around to an old reason but it's definitely down to outrage culture like yeah. people people are just like don't give him a platform to stand on be shamed be shamed shun the shun the her- shun the heretic you know it, it's it's really silly but that's what most twitter uh twitter conversations have turned out to when it comes to a controversial opinion or conversation or whatever nowadays um i don't think i i agree i think like he needs to talk about it um but I think also in the end, I think the person that ends up with that responsibility or the podcast or the article or the website, I think the person that's going to get that and uh, get that opportunity is probably going to cop just as much flack. Then let's make sure it's Jason Schreier because he knows how to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. 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 
because like at the end of the day if if the journalists don't want to do their job like what they do and what YouTubers do is like completely different but if if they just want to talk about games and review them they may as well just be YouTubers like like the rest of yeah. us yeah if if yeah. they're not doing journalism if if they're not if they're saying to the Nintendo community that you know you guys don't want to hear this they like they're not doing their job no yeah yeah because there, there's a there's a group of us who who've listened to him who have uh, and probably more importantly actually who he's taken a job away from such as your friend over at player 2 <laughs> Paul yeah so like there's there's lots of people under different situations that you know want to know why I feel so yeah well it's just unfortunate in the in the end it's just unfortunate that we just can't set aside set aside the the outrage and just come to a reasoning as to as to why mm. um, 2018 everybody well yeah, yeah. I, I've, <laughs> I've been involved involved in a lot of these arguments on Twitter probably not for the best of me but uh, some are, some people I've known that are personally affected um, and I try to be a voice, as re- voice of reason as much as possible and sort of get in the middle and go okay but it's almost it's almost fruitless and pointless um with with some I'll try to defend. I'm not going to go too far into it. With some I'll try to defend and try to come to some sort of reasoning. I've been trying to uh, talk to a particular person who, again, I won't mention, uh, who needs to speak up about their actions uh, in online communities, but uh, they're not budging either. Uh, so it's just it's just continuous outrage wars, and it has been for nearly two months now, and. It's yeah. It, it it's literally insane. Uh, if we could just set aside outrage for two seconds, get his voice out and his his uh, method of thinking, and why why he did it, just like a straight up why he did it, uh, then it would take a whole load off of other people's minds who are sitting there wondering why. Uh, like I'm sure he's some people's favorite YouTuber, for example. Like, why why did he do this, and why has he made me uh, <laughs> made me think so low of him now after doing this? Um, yeah. So in the end, I, I I think that's what we need to take out of all of it is we need to stop yelling at him and start listening and see what he needs to say and tell us. Um, that does Philip Philip if you ever listen to this which you probably won't um course that, that, that that doesn't mean just put out another shitty fucking YouTube video we want to we want to hear an actual uh like confession of your state of mind uh in that scenario as to why you would find somebody so low on the charts take their review and try to make it your own because Obviously, you've thought this guy's small enough. Mm. He still That's had, the way I see it. He still had several thousand subscribers, though. He wasn't that small, you know. Still, still tens of thousands of people. That's still that's still enough to have someone be like, "Hey." In comparison to what IGN put out, though, and how many people view IGN articles, videos, podcasts? Of course, of course, he's not as big as IGN. I'm not saying he's even a fraction of IGN, but you know, it's not like he. You know, got a review from me <laughs> on my blog, or you know, something, something just like tiny like that. No, some people in power do stupid things, and they think they're going to get away with it. And yes, unfortunately, I think yeah. that's the case with this. Yeah. Oh man. No, like, 
it was it took it took a lot of my mind share this week and I really I really wish it didn't. <laughs> Just thinking about as it was going through. Um and sort of while I was doing that, I was thinking, you know, what are what are our ethics for this show? Because like recently we've had we've uh, had the opportunity to go to Avcon with a, a media pass which they supplied and we're starting to get a couple of game codes and things like that just to uh, help us cover a few more games on the eShop and things like that. And I was thinking, well, we better actually say what our ethics are on this show because we've never had to really think about it before. As we're just yeah, n- now that we're getting now that we're getting stuff uh, <laughs> sort of out of other people's pockets, uh, it's probably a good idea that we should. Yeah, because you know we're, we're just a couple of idiots, really, just <laughs> talking about video games. So um, basically. If we ever get a code or we ever get a media pass or something like that, we'll be hundred percent honest and we will let you guys we'll let you guys know so you can make your own decision on whether uh, take it with a grain of salt or anything like that. Well, okay, I, I think I think uh, I think unbiasism is the best word to use here. Yeah, just because we're receiving receiving a product for free. Uh, we are not we are not accepting anything that requires us to talk positively about the product or what we're doing we will uh, 100% give what we uh, give honesty on what we think uh, is is worth the product I, I, I yeah. don't know I lost my I lost my no, word no, of thought no. there well, well said well said <laughs> the words weren't coming to my head um, yeah like it like Paul, you're a part of a uh, like a, a bigger overarching website with multiple other team members. Is this is that something you guys? Well, obviously it is. Like, what what do you guys think about when you're talking to your audience and want to be authentic? I, I mean, I don't think it's a conversation that we as a team have ever had. Um, yeah, I think it's we, like we've got people that have done like such as Hope, and we've got James Swinbanks and several others. They've, they've done articles for your IGNs and GameSpots, and Matt himself, who's our editor there, he's done work for Hyper and other publications over the journey. So everyone's got little bits and pieces of experience elsewhere as well, where they've all been kind of immersed in these sorts of environments where you've got these established customs or routines or expectations. Um, and I just think that just filtered the whole way through the yeah. remainder of the team who hadn't had that sort of exposure. But I also would like to think, and I think it must have escaped Philip in this particular case, um, I would like to think that anyone who writes about video games or sits down on a podcast or a YouTube video or whatever it is they might do um, would have the sense to know that you you don't bite the hand that feeds you um, and that being the provider of said game as well as the people who sit down and consume your content. Because as soon as any of those parties feel like they're betrayed, that's it. You're done. And it's exactly what's happened to Philip here. Um, and he's copped it from both ends, both the uh, both IGN itself and the uh, people who consumed his content in the past. Um, you just can't afford to make those sort of mistakes. Uh, I think, I don't know, it, it seems like such a simple thing, but... It's not in retrospect, no. <laughs> it's not... Um, yeah, because if you're copying or lying or just like you're not expressing what you feel, like your product, whether it be review, podcast, whatever it may be, just becomes a waste of time to the audience and it has no value. 
Yeah, and it's not the best it'll be anyway. Even if people don't detect that you are lying or that you've... Any of those other sort of accusations that can be thrown around. um, uh, Your content, whatever it is, it's just not the best it'll possibly be. When you speak from the heart, whether it be it written form or video or audio, whatever it ends up being, the passion shows through when you're doing it just properly and just speaking your mind. Yeah. Whereas if you're holding back for any sort of reason... It sticks out somehow, and it's this almost intangible. Oops, sorry, this intangible <laughs> thing um, that I can't quite put a finger on, um, but you can just tell. Yeah. <sighs> tell you what, guys. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, something a bit more, a bit more cheery. <laughs> <laughs> so yesterday, news came out that Nintendo has sold uh, seven hundred and. Uh, 27.65 million hardware units across all of their consoles and handhelds. Um, quite quite the achievement. Uh, so, uh, what we got here? We've got all, all of the consoles listed down. So, the uh, NES sold uh, 61 million. The SNES sold uh, 49 million. Nintendo 64, 32 million. GameCube, 21 million. Wii, 101 million. Wii U, thirteen million, and Switch at <laughs> uh, nineteen million. So, and then there's all the handhelds. Yes, there are all uh-huh. the handhelds. So, uh, all up, the handhelds have sold uh, forty, uh, not, not forty, uh, four hundred and twenty-seven million. So, the, the Game Boy Color, uh, one hundred and eighteen million. The Game Boy Advance, eighty-one million. DS, one hundred and fifty-four million, and the 3DS at seventy-two million. So, hmm. they're all, uh, like, apart from some outliers, like the Nintendo 64, GameCube, and Wii U, the sales are looking pretty healthy for, like, along the uh, all the Nintendo consoles. Yeah, certainly in those early days, the the NES and the, the SNES were the, the two dominant systems um, in the marketplace. Though, I'm a bit disappointed with those Super Nintendo numbers. It is the greatest console ever made. Um, and deserves far more than what it's gotten. But anyway, that's that's a whole aside. Um, no, Nintendo have, yeah, like I think, like you really hit on the head just there. They've they've dominated most console generations, um, less so in recent years. Um, and specifically, yeah, you spoke about Nintendo sixty four and GameCube, and that went against the PS one and the PS two, which sold a hundred and fifty million and a hundred and twenty million systems a piece, or something like that. Like. Yeah. They were phenomenons, but um, Nintendo have done really well otherwise, mm. and the handhelds just keep killing it. I found I found oh. it was pretty interesting that it came out just as PlayStation announced they sold uh, 500 million consoles, along with that really awesome-looking limited edition PS4 Pro as well. That's because I, there was a reason for that. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> There's a reason that they did that. Like... That's not the type. That's such a. That's such a like specific number. Yeah, they're just like, hey, uh, it's us two. So we've sold, <laughs> we've we can one up that. I swear. Units. <laughs> Paul, do you know we've, if they, do you know if PlayStation counted the Vita and PSP in that five hundred or? Yeah, they'd have to. Um, two hundred. You got about two hundred fifty million from the. Well, give or take from the PS one, PS two combined. Another eighty for the PS3 puts it at three thirty. Yeah, so you probably got about a hundred million between the the PSP and the Vita combined. Yeah, 
just you know some very quick numbers there. PSP was about eighty something million, and Vita was about fourteen it's, or fifteen million. Yeah, so Oof. with a little bit of give and take for the consoles themselves, and the PS4 is currently sitting on about eighty. Yeah, it, it all adds up about right. Mm. Um, so that'll be inclusive for the handhelds. Mm. Yeah, they've got some other interesting stats too. So they've got the highest highest selling Nintendo hardware is in the Nintendo DS at. 154.02 million. So that's uh, 21% of all of Nintendo's hardware sold. And Ridiculous. Guys, <laughs> guys, do you want to take a bet of uh, you know what, what might be the lowest selling Nintendo hardware? What might that be? <laughs> Anyone got, a, got an answer for me? I mean, if, if the hardware is included uh, Virtual Boy, it's pretty yeah. obvious it'd be Virtual uh, Boy, but if not, Virtual it's definitely Boy, the Wii U. SNES Classic and NES Classic are not included. Okay, then it's definitely the Wii U. Wii U. Oh, good, oh good no, guess, this has got to be a loaded question. There's got to be a trick to this. No, there's no, you've there's already no read trick it. to that. <laughs> so, oh, because you already read out the numbers, so I thought, oh, there's got to be something else we're not thinking of here. So the Wii U capped at 13.56 million, and it was 1.86% of Nintendo's all-up hardware sold. Oh, oh, that poor console. Actually, while we're doing this guessing game too, I'll uh, let you, I'll let you try and guess what the next one is. So Nintendo Nintendo system with the best attach rate. What do you think that is? Attach rate. So the Switch. So the most amount, like with the most amount of games sold per uh, hardware unit. Oh right. Um, so Paul's I would say Switch. probably the Wii. You're locking in My Wii, says- Wii and Switch. My gut says with the Wii, it'd actually be one of the worst because you've got a lot of people that are picking up that console for Mario Kart, yeah. for Wii Fit, for Wii Sports, and then like that the older market. I don't have it the here, Switch. but the Wii's was shocking. <laughs> was it? Um, yeah. I I know the Switch is high, but I also couldn't rule out the possibility that the Super Nintendo or the NES might have done something All right. you know, pretty impressive for their day. I'll read it out. Um, I think you've. I think you said everything apart from literally what it was uh, it was the GameCube at 9.5 <laughs> games per per uh, unit what? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I mean that's great the The GameCube is a criminally underappreciated system but wow okay <laughs> I guess I guess it was one of the only uh, I don't know it, was, it, had, it had the the uh, the fact that it hadn't sold you know that much alongside like good third party support and good first party support so I guess that's what helped it the games per system sold I guess yeah it'd be be one of those things that the only people that were really buying the system were the, the Nintendo Hardcore mm. and if you're the Nintendo Hardcore there were still plenty of really good games on that system and I'm talking exclusives we obviously had the Resident Evil 4s and those sorts of things that came along as well but um Luigi's Mansion, Mario Sunshine, Smash, Kart, Zelda, all those sorts of things. Like, there was plenty of reasons to play that system. So, yeah. I guess that makes sense. So caliber with Link and Butterfly in it. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> that too. All, all those SpongeBob <laughs> games, you can't forget those. Oh, Jesus Christ, please, no. Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg. <laughs> <laughs> Which I still stand by as a semi-decent game, but anyway. <laughs> it's alright, we're going into game obscurity with the GameCube. What was it? Not an indifferent topic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
So on average, Nintendo has sold twenty point seven million hardware units every year since nineteen eighty three. So that's not too bad at all, considering when it's all evened out. Even well, with, that's a yeah faster clip than what we're seeing with PlayStation at the moment. Yeah, even and with even with the unreal. Wii U, just uh, you know stifling that a bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, it tried its best. Don't pick on my son. <laughs> oh. I don't know. It, it's unfortunate for the Wii U because, again, and I'll say it a million times over, there was some great software on that damn console, and I'm glad it's being ported. But, uh, like, I, I'm worried some of the ones that I want to get ported will never get ported over. I'd love to see an export, for example. That'd be fantastic. But Pikmin three, Pikmin three, yeah, Pikmin three too. Yeah, you know, like. Everybody's screaming and reaching about friggin' Pikmin 4, but, like, how many people actually played Pikmin 3 in the end? Not many. Not many. Because there was only, what, 13 million consoles sold. Yeah. I still remember waiting for Pikmin 3 too. It just kept on getting pushed and pushed and pushed. And we're like, just give us... Should have been here at launch, guys. Where's that goddamn Pikmin game? Oh. They just didn't want to show it to you. No. Ugh. <sighs> Alright guys, we'll move on. So Doom Eternal is coming to the Switch. Any of any of oh. you guys any of you guys uh expect this? I didn't. <laughs> um I expected maybe similarly to what we saw with Doom and then Wolfenstein that maybe we'd get the game on the system a year later or something like that, but not day and date. I think that's probably the bit that shocked me the most. Yeah. No. Well, see, I think purely because of Wolfenstein I almost expected it. Were you expecting day and date though? Well, that's uh, yeah, that's the crazy bit for me. Maybe, but in the in the way in the way that Bethesda create the their engines, they're not they're not hard to modify. You think about the like Bethesda games over the years that you could just mod with a very relative ease. Um, True. It, the way they create their games, it's not really that hard for anybody to sort of get in there and do a bit of tweaking. So. I feel like in internalizing the company, it's the same way. They make their games easy enough to pick apart, but also like sort of keep their complex systems or their nostalgia-based systems in Elder Scrolls or Fallout or anything like that. And I feel like that's what they've done with Doom as well. They've just made it a game that's simple enough to go in there. They go, okay, let's tweak the settings down and just make things a little more manageable um, for the Switch. And yeah, boom. Um, the other thing is is uh, <laughs> the other thing is is that uh, being NVIDIA hardware I feel like uh, Bethesda's worked with that enough to go well it should be easy enough to get on the Switch we've already got Doom on there we've already know what we've got to do to get Doom on there because we've already done it so you know yeah. it, it, it probably worked out that way yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see if it's Panic Button doing the port again because they handled Wolfenstein uh, 2 and the original Doom port. Um, it'd be interesting to see if this is handled by just a like internal team by Bethesda or if they hand it off to them again. But the the games, it's, it's targeting 30 frames per second, which is half of what the other consoles will be, which is expected. That's what Doom on Switch ran at. And... Uh, According to the developers, the game is, quote, really coming along. <laughs> so, 
There's that. So, I mean, they showed 25 minutes of it at QuakeCon, so... Yeah, I actually hadn't, um, I hadn't yeah. checked it out, to be honest. I wasn't that interested in the game. Um, oh, man. but It's it's unreal. Yeah, the, the fact that it's coming to Switch actually interests me a bit because it seems like the type of thing I like just to pick up and smash out a couple of levels and put it down again. Because I didn't really get into the original Doom that much. I got it at launch, but I just couldn't really get into it. So 2016. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, <laughs> not the original. One game. of the one of the things that really struck me about this was not specific to Doom, but the fact that I mean, because they're doing this, maybe it says that uh, coupled with Wolfenstein as well, I guess. Um, Third party games are selling on the Switch. Yeah, which we, we've seen the indie successes. Like you only have to look at the charts when you boot up the store, and you see that you know Stardew sitting there, and we spoke about Dead Cells, and we've seen Hollow Knight there for an eternity as well. Um, Rocket League, blah 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 blah. But uh, now we're starting to see some third-party successes on the platform, and I think that's really good because, I mean, if over the last few generations, if there was one complaint or concern to be thrown at Nintendo was that their fans only buy Nintendo-developed games, mm. and I, now we're starting yeah. to see a little shift. I can tell you from my wallet, I don't just buy first-party Nintendo <laughs> games on the Switch. No. To my and, own. And neither, do I, neither do I, but there was certainly a <laughs> perception anyway. Yeah, I, I, we never really had the option before. Like on the Wii U, I remember wanting to. I, I wanted to get FIFA, and it was rubbish on the Wii U. I wanted to get. I remember Black. I remember Black Ops Two was good on the Wii U, but that was a rare exception. I feel like a lot of games, like when you're going back, Wii U, Wii, it was back on the GameCube where you could actually um, buy the buy these games and actually have them good. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Bryce, you've actually played a fair bit of Doom on the Switch. Um, would you would you be interested in picking up picking it up again on Switch, the uh, sequel, or would you just be like, oh, I'm just getting it on PC or your PlayStation? I mean, I haven't one hundred percent. I haven't one hundred percent finished Doom on the Switch. I think I think it's fine for a time killer. Uh, and I have access to the PC version, but I haven't actually bought Doom on any other platform. Mm. Um, I, I've got I've got uh, Steam Library Share if I ever want to play it at its absolute best, which I'll probably will one day. But um, like on the Switch, it's just handy if I'm like, yeah, God, I just want to go to bed and play a video game, and, <laughs> like Blackout to the World, um, and like it's been good for that. There's there's obviously not a massive range of first person shooters on there, and you know, Doom even as a single player experience does its job, so uh, that's why I picked it up initially. Um, it's it's really it, it's really hard in that in that sense too, because I'm pretty sure the only the only two first person shooters that are actually worth a go are both Bethesda based. Yeah, yeah, but at least Metroid's coming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like until until Metroid comes, like. I think that's all we've got. So, I th- I think uh, depending on what happens with Metroid will depend on what I do with Doom Eternal. Like whether I just play it on PC or uh, because I can tell you now when Metroid Prime Four comes out, you, I can forget about I can forget about any other th- first person shooter for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, was, I yeah. do like the concept of you going to bed and playing Doom before you go to sleep. Like. Like that's supposed to help you go to sleep, and not the fact that your adrenaline levels will just spike through the roof, and you won't be able to sleep for hours and hours after that. Just with like, you think it's going to have the opposite effect, and that's awesome. 
<laughs> just got the music blaring. It's like, it's like having about five coffees and then trying to go to sleep. I dream of hell, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, w- the, the fact that it's coming day and date, uh, hopefully, at least, it still might get delayed like... Uh, Dark Souls got delayed when that was meant to be coming day and date. But if it comes day and date, that'll be a huge, uh, huge benefit because I really want to get Wolfenstein 2 on Switch. But if, if I want it on Switch, it's going to cost me about $90 where I can get it for about 30 or 50 on PlayStation or Xbox. So If you want my harsh, honest opinion, I'm not sure it's worth getting Wolfenstein 2 on Switch. Mm, I have that, um, yeah. It, it's one thing getting Doom. It's one thing getting Doom on Switch. Uh, it's uh, you know it's from 2016, runs really well. But uh, Wolfenstein 2's what 2018, um, and I struggle. I, I struggle to run that game on my PC as it is at the moment. Hmm. Um, I mean, I'm getting upgrades in a couple of weeks' time. But that aside, like I, I can only run that game like 30 frames a second on this PC, uh, whereas Doom I can run at near 60 so I'm not too sure whether it's like fantastic on Switch no I, I, I haven't played it I'm I've glad seen... it's, I'm glad it's there but yeah yes yeah, so, so am I but it, I guess it's a bit more story a uh, bit more story so it's probably better blowing it up on your TV and sitting sitting back and enjoying the cutscenes more so well, than, yeah more so than Doom where you're just going bang 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 cool get through it yeah um, and especially if you're not caught up with the Wolfenstein series and you've got a lot of backtracking to do that or you, you've got a lot of reading to do either one <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a deep well of lore that one <laughs> not the deepest well ever but you know BJ Blatskowitz as a character he's Nazis you know. are bad shoot them <laughs> Yeah, it's- but BJ Blatskowitz and you got to think about like soon uh, we've got that sequel coming too with it featuring his two daughters and all yes. that stuff yeah so uh, I, I feel like I feel like Wolfenstein is one of those games where I'd rather play it on something that gives it a little bit more attention uh, seeing Hitler on my Switch and killing Hitler on my Switch would be fun <laughs> I guess but uh, yeah, I think I'll just finish that one on PC. I I I don't mind Doom being just on the, uh, <laughs> on the handheld. I I, w- I do want to bring up one thing about Doom though. Um, I did see one GIF floating around the internet, and I'm hoping you guys have seen it too. But the way that Doom guy handles key cards, what just like oh, smashes them? No. God damn it! Okay. Um, there's a GIF floating around the internet that just made me think. I'm like. You know, this game's probably going to get a bit of a laugh out of me. Um, <laughs> I can see your headset full of Paul. <laughs> yeah, the 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 cord, like I reached out to get my phone so I could check out said GIF, and the cord just came flying out of my ear. <laughs> um, there's there is a GIF floating around uh, from the gameplay video uh, that made that just it made me it made me laugh. It was worth it, but. Uh, you come across this one scientist that's just scared as shit of you because you're this big endearing man of like death and destruction and he's got a key card hanging around his neck so instead of taking the king car key card or shooting his head off and then taking it off the off of his neck what does he do he just picks up the key card and drags his chair over and plonks it down on the thing and then walks through 
I'm just like, oh yes, oh yes, yes. Now I remember. <laughs> I'm like classic Doom guy, you know, not not blowing up people. It's such a genuine bloke, very nice guy. <laughs> such a nice dude. We'll take it easy on him. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, we'll move on to uh, just talking about some games. Uh, what have you been playing recently, Paul? Um, in terms of uh, games on the Switch, uh, I've been playing Octopath Traveler. And I've been playing that just kind of little fits and starts. Like, I'm not getting a hell of a lot of time to just sit and binge play it. But it's one of those great games where I might try and knock out one chapter, one or two chapters kind of per week. Um, at the moment, I'm only just wrapping up the whole first act for everyone. Yeah. But I'm seriously over-leveled, um, as you should be in any JRPG if you're doing it right. But, uh, yeah, well and truly over-leveled, but I've kind of just gradually knocking through missions and I'm just knocking over a couple of weeks. It's a great game. Like, I went to the... I went to the footy the other day and I was about... You know, it was a big game at the MCG, so it was about, I was about an hour and a half early because I needed to make sure I got a seat and I just whipped out the Switch and started playing Octopath Traveler as the rain came pouring down on top of me, which wasn't ideal. <laughs> um, so I just used my body to kind of protect it. I wasn't going to get up and go anywhere. I could keep playing Switch, so I just kind of popped my head over the top of the thing and brought it nice and close and just kept playing. I'm, just, I'm in love with that game. It's doing some great things. Oh, awesome. Who, who did you start with? Um, oh damn! He's the the night guy. Um, Olberic. Olberic, that's the one. Yeah. Hmm. I started. Um, I started with uh, the, the hunt. The hunt. The hunter. What was the name again? Oh. Han- Hanit. Hanit. Yeah. 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 I, I I really enjoy her. She was a lot of fun. I really like her abilities and stuff. Yeah, it's an interesting mechanic hers with the you know capturing and then using and you've only got limited uses etc. I I think that's quite cool. Yeah, takes me back to Pokemon. <laughs> She has the potential to be the most powerful character on in the game, like really early. Yeah. Um, because I started, I started as Primrose, and I went, I went uh, clockwise. So I, I eventually came around to her, and then I got to uh, Tress's area, um, and I'd captured something in the snowy mountains, uh, a, a couple of them actually, and they just wrecked the the boss for that area in no time it was crazy yeah, right. i even i even ignored like the major mechanic for that boss that required me to kill something before they exploded and did a shit ton of damage i managed to ignore that mechanic just because uh hunt its uh capture and use of those captures is uh really strong if you use it correctly oh awesome mm. so i have to keep that in mind do keep that in mind she's she's a really strong party member actually if you want to do some cheesing for experience the other thing is is like uh with primrose is getting the jp times 100 dance if you're lucky enough yeah so what does that do so you you get job points right and you all know how that system works you get job points you spend them on abilities uh you dancers have the ability have an ability called bewildering dance which gives you a random effect uh just whenever you use the ability it takes a shit ton of mana um you can get debuffs to yourself you can get buffs to yourself you can heal yourself but the interesting thing is is that there's also two two reward boosts in jp times two or jp times 100 so you can effectively get most of your job chart filled out if you manage to farm yourself enough with bewildering dance and a bit of luck um, killing high level enemies or something you can just smash out job points with no issue mm. that's and, pretty I mean, cool 
I haven't been lucky enough to get a 100, but I've had a bunch of twos now, and they just they get my abilities so much quicker that I have more of an arsenal to take to the next big thing. Mm. Yeah. Now, that's awesome how there's like sort of a way to sort of cheese the system and just like gain way more job points and things like that. That's really awesome. Well, see, I think I think of this game very much as as a storybook. I like I'm enjoying I'm enjoying learning about the characters more than I am the 100% like idea of the gameplay even though like the system is exactly the same as Bravely Default because it's pretty much made by the same team. Um yeah. I I absolutely love I absolutely love the combat system and all that stuff, but uh, learning about these characters and going through their individual stories and how they would handle certain scenarios and um I think I'm I think I'm enjoying that more. So having having that little like little bit of extra cheese just so I can get to the next bit of the story is uh you know quite good. Um it's it's very well uh, very well written so far and um I really want to finish the whole thing. Yeah, awesome. I uh I have I haven't even touched it since the demo to be honest. I just I think just the idea of it, just like oh, I don't have I don't have an hour at the moment. I won't play it. So what what I've actually been playing is a uh, I've been playing South Park: The Fractured Butthole that was on sale on the eShop. Uh, was it last week? I picked it up, and I was, like with all all the stuff I was up to at work and that, I'm like, all right, I'm not in the mood for sort of just a you know like a heavy story or anything like that. So jumped into South Park and like what what. <laughs> I'm going to state the obvious here, but what a stupid game. <laughs> <laughs> I love South Park so much. I haven't watched the series in, you know, a couple of years now, but going back to it and just like recognizing all the characters and just all like how how well all the little silly little jokes and that come off just as you're playing is really funny. Like you you you're in the middle of a turn-based battle and one of your uh characters does like, just does like a fart noise you're like Pfft. <laughs> out of nowhere and and your battles get interrupted when a car goes through because you're um, battling on the road <laughs> things like that <laughs> just just really car. silly yeah so um, I, I didn't actually get the opportunity to play it um, last year when it came out so getting to play it now on the portable it's really good just touching on South Park while we're talking about it real quick I haven't actually got to play it yet no will eventually but mm-hmm. um, like the stabbing in me worrying about things uh, at the moment is that its prequel is so heavily censored and I'd experienced that. Yeah, yep. <laughs> like, uh, we have an R18 re- uh, rating for a reason now. I'm not sure if there's anything that's majorly censored in nah. Fractured But Whole. It's, it's not censored, this one. There's no censoring? No, no not at all. Oh, thank God. Because that was Though, to the... be fair, I almost felt like the censoring in the first game was funnier than the content itself. It really like was. That koala sitting there yeah. and explaining to us <laughs> Australians why we weren't allowed to enjoy this certain bit of content and then kind of giving us a blow-by-blow blow of what that was. The crying koala. probably not the right <laughs> phrase given that some of the stuff that was happening there. But um, <laughs> uh, I thought that was almost funnier than the, the scene itself because I just jumped on YouTube and found out what the stuff was. Yeah. And yeah, I reckon it was almost funnier watching the sobbing koala. Yeah. I think it was... I think it's... Yeah, sorry. I think... Uh, I just think the butt of the joke, more or less, was just the fact that they had to go through that measure. Yeah. I think that's the thing that made it funny. But, like, it was it was still outraging in, like... At the time, at the time that game came out, we were fighting so hard for, like, having 
uncensored experiences. We had the, you know, we had something as simple as Left 4 Dead 2 being so censored. It was actually, it was actually ridiculous. But <laughs> was well, that something as simple as Left 4 Dead? <laughs> as simple. Oh, simple. Okay. Civil. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, I something mean, as simple still as probably civil when you compare it to Doom. Yeah, true. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Um, but just seeing it, seeing it from that respect, like we were, we were fighting so hard for that, uh, like that uncensorship, and uh, obviously the the creators, the creators went through like hell and high water to make sure that the game came out in Australia, and seeing that there, it. It made me go, ha ha, that's funny, they found a good way to deal with it, but it also made me go, you know, that must suck for them, because they, <laughs> they wrote that, they, like, Trey Parker, Matt Stone, they both work on that script, and they did all the voice acting and all that, and those scenes just, they get completely missed in those versions, and it means that people don't get the full experience of what they wanted to create. Mm-hmm. And some of those some of those scenes that they took, they had to take out weren't short. Um, yeah, no. And no. we also missed out on, like like parts of the game in general like you had the uh, the abortion minigame which is obviously not very PG but um Personal is it guidance. possible that given we've seen those games now ported to PS4, Xbox One and now Switch is it possible that it would have had to be re-rated so they could sub- now that we have that R rating rating since mm. the original came out is it possible that the versions that are now available on those newer consoles are actually the one that the rest of the world got? That's a good point. I, I actually don't know. Or would they just lean into the fact that, hey, like, Aussies thought that bit was funny, let's just keep it there? No, that would be a good thing to look up. I've actually got no idea. I hope uh, it would be nice if it's like a... It would be, be like a bit of a director's cut for us because it's like, oh, scenes you didn't have before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and mini games and everything, like... We 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 got the uh, we got the whole going into a gay man's ass and finding out what's in there sort of thing, but we didn't get to play the abortion minigame and like I, I don't know it's that it was it was so it was so riddled like it is an offensive game but it was so riddled of stuff of like uh, if we had the R rating then we could have had this and um, I'm glad that well yeah it was it, that's exactly what it was it was all what ifs um, but I'm really glad that. Fra- uh, fractured but whole doesn't doesn't have any of that. Thank God, it makes me think. Jesus Christ! At least we're at least we're getting somewhere with it. Yeah, I mean it would be good because uh, Stick of Truth is coming to Switch later this year as a digital only game. So if uh, if anyone's missed the uh, opportunity to do any of that lovely stuff, <laughs> you'll have to have the chance next year on the go. So you can. Yeah, you can. I don't want to say it. you can. You can pluck babies on the go. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. that's far worse than what I said. I just. I just... <laughs> uh, but still, more civil than Left 4 Dead. Yeah, more civil <laughs> than Left 4 Dead. God damn it! We've got some box um, quotes here. We really do. <laughs> um, the one, the one other game that I wanted to talk about, and I know that uh, Drew has played it. Um, not sure about you, Paul. Uh, was WarioWare Gold? Oh, yeah, okay. Mm. No, I haven't played that one yet. It's really good. Um, so uh, we got we got a chance to get around to uh, getting around to uh, WarioWare Gold, and it was like a short enough experience that I think. Uh, and I'm speaking for the both for both me and Drew, but I'm sure Drew will have his his take on it. 
it was a short enough experience that you could get through most of that game uh within a within a couple of hours um and i think it's like the warrior where that we've been missing for a long time ever since uh smooth moves mm. i mean it, it it's definitely like i just want to say first up that um when it first got announced we're disappointed that it's not a WarioWare game on the switch but uh i think after they announced that you know it's got the tilt mini games it's got the d-pad mini games it's got the touchscreen mini games it's definitely a WarioWare that's built for the 3ds rather than the switch um a lot of those things you wouldn't be able to do on the switch just with the uh like you don't have the motion sensitivity in in the actual switch itself it's only in the joy cons so it's not quite as sensitive and uh you know lack of a d-pad and things like that on the on the switch so um and obviously the two screens too um but but the the first thing that stood out to me for this game is just how much uh polish was in it like it's it's a lot more lot more sort of presentation wise than what we've seen in uh the WarioWare series before, especially with voice acting and uh, cut voice scenes. Voice acting, cut scenes, and yeah. animation. Like, the animations are, like, much much more than just, like, pulsating characters on the screen in between micro-games. There's, like, things yeah. happening, like... Um, the way that... The way they structured how... Uh, the way they structured how the game flows through your mini-games and stuff like that sort of goes from uh, easier to harder... Uh, they categorize everything, and then you've got mega modes. Um, one of them, uh, one of one of the mega modes being like. Uh, usually, it tells you before each. It, it does the same thing as Smooth Moves did, and it uh, it tells you uh, what mechanic you'll be using for the next mini game. They have ones uh, where they just flat out refuse to tell you the mechanic, and you have to figure it out yourself on the go. Sadistic. <laughs> it is sadistic, but still more civil than Left 4 Dead. <laughs> it's probably, Sorry, right? I'll stop. Don't, don't even know if that's a joke on Drew or me at this point. Considering Take your pick. He's... you, the viewer, you can decide. <laughs> oh, sorry, listener, you can decide. Um, so just just in general, uh, I think that WarioWare uh, Gold was probably a like massive step in the right direction because for a long time we had the only thing we had was uh, Game and Wario since Smooth Moves and Game and Wario was not a WarioWare game uh, which was disappointing for us uh, you also had those obscure DSi titles that came out as well that like no one really touched um, most of them were DS well one of them was DSiWare exclusive yeah. I'm pretty sure WarioWare Snapped was actually pretty cool though how that you got, yeah. you set your DSi up on the table and it was a bit like an eye toy. How you sort of like try and match up the shapes and do that. I thought that was pretty neat. It was only like a ten dollar game, so there obviously wasn't much in it. But yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's that's my worry as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I really enjoyed it. I um, I sort of did the hour and a half or two hours or whatever it was to finish the story, and I haven't really uh, like chased high scores or anything like that for a while. Um, but a member of our Discord actually put a video of their sister um, doing the Nintendogs mini game, where you've just all it all it does is require patting the dog with the stylus, and they got up to nine 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 just patting the dog. <laughs> it's keen because <laughs> like all you had to do was just uh, pat the dog, so it wasn't actually hard. So they just 
I think it took him about half an hour or something to get to nine ball. Oh. <laughs> just, just scratching the touchscreen. I'd like to see what their touchscreen was like afterwards. Well, there wasn't one. Yeah. <laughs> just missing. Burned a hole straight through. Yeah. Um, but it it just gives it gives me high hopes for another worry where, uh, basically, I'd I'd like to see a smooth moves two on the switch. That would be an awesome party game. Smooth moves was a fantastic game, and I hope with WarioWare Gold they've they sort of realised they're like, hey, uh, this is the true WarioWare format, and we probably shouldn't just fuck around with it anymore. We should uh, really make the effort to. Yeah. Like to have an act, like have an actual series out of WarioWare, because honestly, there's some of the fun, funnest party games, mm, yeah, um, definitely across the systems, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, even if you just, even if you are just chasing high scores in competitiveness, and you're just like passing off the controller, uh, it's it's definitely a lot of fun. Those mini games are just wacky and random, and everything about them like embodies what I want in just a comedy game, <laughs> for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Have you had much experience with the WarioWare series, Paul? I've messed around with a couple over the journey. I think the one that probably strikes me the most or that I recall the most was uh, Twisted. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's a fair way, uh, fair while ago now. But, uh, yeah, that was probably the one that stuck with me the most. I haven't messed around that much, though. I think I... Yeah, Smooth Moves was the one for the Wii. Was that right? Yeah. 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 I messed around with that for a little bit as well. But I haven't probably played it as much as, as some others. Mm-hmm. But I would like to because they are very accessible, and something on something like that on the Switch where you can just pick up and play in super short bursts. It's made for that system. Yeah, for uh-huh. sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, s- oh, sorry, I'd love to see uh, them go back to sort of like the the motion controls. Like I, I know that's a, a, <laughs> a, like not a very positive opinion necessarily, but. Um, I really enjoyed WarioWare Smooth Moves in front of the TV, just acting goofy, sort of like all, all your friends are laughing with you and you're handing the Wiimote um, among one another. I think it'll be a lot of fun if the uh, sort of Switch version goes for that again. Well, there's so many different things you can do with it. I mean, the Switch has got gyro. It's got the motion control. So there's there's the sort of things you've got in Twisted as well as Smooth Moves. You've then got like there's so many little little features of the Switch that lends itself to the different sorts of ways that you've played WarioWare in the past. Mm. So I don't see why it wouldn't work, and I'm sure then they can take advantage of some of the unique parts of the Switch as well, similar to what we're seeing in um, Super Mario Party with the... Sorry, not the controls, but the the actual Switches themselves. You kind of stack them together in in interesting ways, and that allows you to kind of connect the game up, which I think that's incredible technology, what they're doing there. Mm. Um, And I think they could do similar sorts of things with with, in the WarioWare Universe, yeah. do we call it a universe? Yeah, yeah Warrior sure. Wear cinematic it. universe. <laughs> All they care about is money and food and onion in that universe. That's about it. That's it. Yeah, garlic. Yeah, garlic. Yeah, garlic. Uh, so, have you guys been playing anything else? Anything else you'd like to bring up, Bryce or Paul? As far as games go, Overcooked Two. Overcooked Two. <coughs> Very nice. I mean, yeah. um, I wasn't. I'm not. Look, to be fair, I'm not playing it on the Switch. I got sent a review code for the game on the PS4, but it is available for the Switch. Yeah. Um, and all comments still apply. But holy hell, do I hate myself as I, as I play that game? <laughs> or actually, or and holy hell, does my wife hate me? There's a lot of hate going on. Um, no, the, that game <laughs> is a lot of fun. Um, yep. But it's it's going to tear relationships apart. <laughs> just just like the first game did. Um, 
But one of the things they've added, and at first it was really subtle, they've allowed you to throw raw ingredients across the level to whoever it is you're playing with. Um, And it just allows you to string some really cool maneuvers. There's a lot of little islands that are kind of moving around. Um, I say islands like you're in a like hot air balloons and you're bouncing around and they sometimes separate and you you can't just run over there and put the item on the table for the other player there. You need to launch it across um, and if you can kind of coordinate things really well, then the person on the other end can actually catch it on the spot and they're they're already heading over to wherever it is they need to dispose of that particular food. Like it's it's really enhanced the coordination, Mm. which can also cause some grief too. (laughs) Um, Why weren't you there to catch it? Blah, 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 blah. But uh, it's... It's a great little challenge, and I'm really enjoying it. I think I'm enjoying it more than the first game. Mm. Oh, that's that's really good to hear. Um, I, I heard it was like with that throwing mechanic and uh, like all the new things that were added to. It, I heard it was a bit harder. So, like, I haven't actually played the first Overcooked. I don't know if Bryce has either, but um, yeah, it sounds it, it makes it sound even a little bit daunting that it's uh, a bit more challenging. Uh, um, look, I didn't mess around with the first all that much. Um, uh, it was the wife and I played it not long before we got married. Um, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> firstly, look, it can't be that it's bad because it didn't yep. kill it didn't kill the marriage before it started. But uh, like, there was just already a bit of stress going on because of preparation for weddings and all those sorts of bits and pieces. Uh, so, when we realised what it was doing to us, we very quickly stopped and we never went back yep. to it. Um, but so we, we basically went into Overcooked Two as rookies more or less um and i probably only took about half an hour 45 minutes before we kind of got that coordination going between this uh, and starting to learn okay so this recipe requires you to do this 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 and then you maybe you lose the first time but you're spending a lot of time kind of surveying the the kitchen area that you've got and you identify okay this is where everything is so then when we uh, maybe we're going to get two of the three stars this time when we go back we've got this and typically we're we're nailing it, which is which has been really good. Like you go through and okay, so that's there, 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 and you start tossing things around, and and all of a sudden things are syncing up really nicely. So yeah, it, it ratchets up in difficulty maybe a bit quicker than the last one did, but um, I still don't think it takes all that long to kind of get your head around it. It's just that communication between you and whoever else you're playing with, and once once you really get that down pat, then it doesn't matter how hard the levels get. Yep. You, you can learn them still pretty quickly. Yeah, good. Like, uh, th- does your wife play many games, or is she pretty casual? Um, uh, I wouldn't say she's a casual gamer, but I wouldn't also say, say she's on the same sort of end of the spectrum that I'm at as well. She kind of drops in and out as she finds something that interests her. Yeah. Um, so she certainly knows her way around a control. There's certainly no problems with that. But, yeah, she's not a veteran <laughs> by any stretch. Yeah, because I was on, I was on um, Xbox Game Pass a month ago or so and I noticed Overcooked 1 was uh, a part of that service oh really my my girlfriend she doesn't play any video games she doesn't know uh, really how to use a controller either I'm I'm trying to think of like co-op games that would be good to sort of get her familiar with a controller and also you know have fun and discover why gaming is so much fun I mean the original Overcooked mightn't be a bad one to start with then because it doesn't like I said, the Overcooked 2 ratchets up in difficulty a bit quicker. Yeah. Um, the first, especially if you're talking... Not that we want to promote Xbox too much. This is a Nintendo podcast. <gasps> but um, <laughs> Like, if if you want... Like, that's probably a good starting point just because yeah. it doesn't 
up the ante so quickly. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking too. But I've also heard stories of people like playing with their, you know, <laughs> their girlfriends' wives and almost clawing out each other's throats. So it'd be interesting to see how that would work. But yeah, maybe tap out before the difficulty levels get too high. Yeah. <laughs> if if in a couple of episodes' time, Bryce is here by himself and he has to explain why why I've died, you know, you 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 guys will know. So. <laughs> Uh, and one last game I just want to end on is a, a little game that came out on the eShop, was it last week? Uh, Flat Heroes. Um, this this game, I had no idea what it was, but I was provided the code by the developer. Um, so I, I jumped right into it, and I guess it's like a real minimalistic Super Meat Boy. Um, each stage is just a square, and you've got to basically survive that for the amount of time that is required. So it might only be 15 seconds per level or something like that. And you've just got to like dodge the patterns of bullets or enemies that come at you. Um, I found it really interesting. I played two worlds of it and just got through it and I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, if, if you look at screenshots, you're, you're basically just playing as a like a little green square and the rest is just like a white background and you know lines and balls that's 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 what the game looks like it's very minimalistic and uh yeah like uh, yeah <laughs> it's really really fun um i did a half informed video on 8 bits youtube channel where i'm playing it for the first time for half an hour and um if you're interested in seeing the game you can have a look there but apart from that i think it's about 15 dollars on the switch so um yeah, it's nice and cheap if you just want like a thing to pick up, do a couple of levels, put it down again. I think it's really good for that. Yeah. Cool, sounds good. Yeah. You, you haven't seen it at all, Bryce? Or? No, I haven't, no. Well, I'll have to show you next time you come over. Yeah, yeah, sounds like a plan. One of those great parts of the Switch, right, that uh, you know, so many games are coming out and we'll never know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I had I'd, I'd no idea what it was. I was like, huh, that looks, uh, that looks interesting from what they're saying. So I looked into it and... It's fun. Um, so, yeah, fifteen dollars. Maybe, maybe wait for a sale or something. If you can pick it up for ten dollars, seven dollars, I think it would be a really good buy at that. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're into like that's awesome. I don't know how hard it gets. It gets up. I think it goes up to about fifteen, world fifteen or something. So I was only I, I only finished two worlds. I couldn't. It probably gets absolutely bonkers when it gets up a bit higher. Alright, so Paul, we've got, we've got a question for you from Jamie Penning. Ah, uh, oh, yes. <laughs> he, wa- he wants to know about your Pokemon Go. Because um, I'm a massive Pokemon Go dork. You are a po- big Pokemon Go. So, did you ever stop playing Pokemon Go? Or No, I've been on that bandwagon since the beginning. Um, because Bryce and I were both from a small town, so we sort of, we sort of fell off of it because... Um, progressing in the games real hard <laughs> out here yeah rural areas yeah my auntie's kind of got that problem as well um and i kind of am in a small country town for the most part but uh where i worked was an outer western suburb of the city so um it always meant that uh, everything was still fairly accessible because i'd be in town five days of the week at the very least oh, right, yeah so um yeah i'm on that bandwagon yeah because like, look, we've We've only got poker stops up our main street, and even then, it's probably would it be a hundred meters between each each one. So it's like 
was quite a, quite yeah, a, makes it quite tough. a run. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Jamie asks, he says, um, "With all uh, with all of the full time you have invested into Pokemon Go, are you going to be picking up Pokemon Let's Go on the Switch? If so, which version are you going to purchase, and what will be the first Pokemon you transfer over?" All right. So yes, I'm getting the game. I'm getting both because nice. I'm a sucker, <laughs> um, and I'm getting both with the Pokeball thing. Yep. Oh, you're gonna get two Pokeball. You're gonna get two Pokeball well, Go Plus. Yeah, the wife's pretty keen on the game, and EB did a little oh, yeah. bundle in the end where it meant that those little controls cost an extra, I think, twenty bucks. I thought, oh, yeah, why not? Yeah. Um, I think it was something like that. I could be wrong. They could be ripping me off. That is what EB does. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. But. Yeah, so I'm, I was getting both, but if you had to give me the whole gun to my head and choose, I'm going to pick Pikachu because anyone who says Eevee is a traitor. <laughs> um, Do you hear that, Bryce? You're a traitor. <laughs> I don't have a camera on right now, but I'm sticking my finger up at the screen profusely. <laughs> Love you too. <laughs> um, I just, uh, I think you're all forgetting how your bread was buttered in the first place. But uh, in terms of what I'm going to transfer over, I haven't even given that any thought. I've um, So there was a period with Pokemon Go where maps were prevalent and so you could just pick off 100 IV Pokemon like, oh, there's one in this part of the city and you just bounce over there, you get it and then you duck off the other side of town. Like it was just, it was like you'd have a little day and just bounce around the city and you get everything you need. So I've got a ton of um, 100 IV Pokemon. There's a few that I've lucked out and scored from raids as well. But um, the consequence is that I know that like with the the trading system that's been introduced in Pokemon Go, I know that if I transfer something over to uh, Let's Go, its IVs kind of get shuffled a bit. Yeah. So I'm not exactly keen to take on the risk of transferring over something and then it turning out to be a dud. Yeah. Um. So I I think I'll just play the game and get what I get on its own merits. Mm. Yep. Um, the the meta game with IVs is not something I actually got into in any of the other Pokemon games. It's just Pokemon Go where it seems to have tickled my fancy. So we'll see how we go. If I somehow get some doubles, then maybe I'll transfer some stuff over. But even then, it's uh, down to a bit of luck to, on the other end. So mm. we'll see. Yeah, because it seems a lot harder to get Pokemon in Pokemon Go than it probably will in the Let's Go games. Like... Getting getting four hundred uh, Magikarp candy to get a Gyarados is oh. is way harder than getting a Magikarp to level twenty in a game. <laughs> you can't even yeah, get... especially if you don't live near water. Yeah, like you, you can't even compare it. So, um, a lot of these Pokemon transferring them over, I feel like you're better off just finding them in the game. I think it'll be a lot easier than you know, refining them in Pokemon Go. Yeah, I, I do agree for the most part. Yeah, it's just gonna be a little bit easier. And I don't, not that I'm super clear on, but do we have to deal with the whole candy factor in Let's Go? Uh, candies, they're in it. They don't do they don't do levels or anything. It's it's not it's not like a you know you need 400 of them to evolve your Magikarp, is it? No, no, no. It's, it's okay. It's the normal leveling system. I think I think candies do. There's like attack candies, defense candies. Ah, okay. I could be wrong. I can't. I've I've forgotten a lot of this stuff. This was sort of shown it off at E three, but I do remember candies in there because I went, oh, yuck. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not what I really want out of my Pokemon game. Hmm. But uh, 
I mean, my height levels when they first showed off that Let's Go trailer, like, I nearly exploded. That little scene near the end of the trailer where you see Pikachu and Eevee jump out of the TV screens and then come bouncing down the road, my little heart just exploded out of my chest. Though, Mine this, did the same. You know, decades <laughs> of nostalgia. Like, I watched that trailer over... It's Look, the game could be the worst Pokemon game ever made, for all we know. But that trailer will get me more hyped for anything Pokemon-related than anything I think ever could or will. Um, that just hit all the right nostalgia notes. But... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how this one plays out. But as far as its Pokemon Go interaction, I'll probably keep it pretty light, I think. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't have anything too impressive in Pokemon Go anyway, so I don't have to worry about it. But Well, you can go for broke then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, actually, just before we get off that, what do you think of the, the, uh, the battling or the wild Pokemon battling mechanics, how they've been removed and it's just replaced with the uh, Pokemon Go sort of wild battles? I would have liked for my Pokemon Go to stay in my Pokemon Go. Mm. Um, well said, well said. But I get that they want to make it... Uh, I get that they want to go for accessibility as well, and they're looking to bring in new audiences. Um, and I can see how... And I'm sure it wasn't just purely a marketing plan, but I could see how it will work in the long term when you've got po- the success of Pokemon Go, and then I'm sure a number of those people having never actually played a proper Pokemon bit on a console or a handheld in the past um stepping across trying let's go and then when gen eight seven eight yeah up to eight yeah whatever it is um next year comes along i could see that really translating into numbers and if they can kind of catch even 10 to 15 percent of that go community who'd never played before and tried let's go and then stick with it from there then that bodes really well for Nintendo, Game Freak, Pokemon Company, everyone going forward. So, mm. yeah, like on top of re- on top of releasing it on a system that is doing gangbuster numbers already. Yeah, like I, I just wish they kept like I'm, I'm going to keep my feelings close to my chest until I actually play the game. But I just feel like they could have put put in battling Pokemon. Then you go you click on a little menu item that goes to catch, and then you throw the Pokeball. I feel like yeah. I feel like that could have been a better way to do it, but. We haven't played it yet, so we'll decide when we get there. I know how Bryce feels about it, so we won't. We'll be here for another half an hour if we ask him, won't we, Bryce? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I am still skeptical. Um, I think it'll tick a lot of boxes in a lot of different ways. The catching mechanic is the one thing that I'm really hesitant about. Mm. Yeah. As a father, as a father, the game will appeal to me for interaction that I'll be able to give my daughter to Pokemon, and she likes Pokemon. She's nearly three, so that's probably what the game is going to hold for me. No, oh, yeah, fair enough. Thrumbles. That's right. <laughs> uh, and we'll we'll uh, end off on this question from Metadox from the Discord community. He wants to know how how we feel about Nintendo and how they handle their fan made games and the say so the cancellations of games like Pokemon Uranium. <laughs> I just butchered that Pokemon Uranium and Project M for Super Smash Brothers. Um, so obviously, the people who make these games don't hold any of the rights for the, the IP or anything. Um, how do you guys feel about that? Okay. Um I do not think that fan projects are detrimental to actual work for the most part. 
um, especially in terms of projects of like uh, AM2R, which I suppose for a little bit, for a little bit, kind of held. That that got taken down so quick, and now we know why. Yeah, because they're literally making it as well. <laughs> they were literally making it. Yeah. So, um, I can understand why they took it down. However, I don't think it would have held a candle or changed anybody's mind about getting that game. Mm. I feel like the people that were targeted for AM2R were uh, people who actually really liked, who really wanted to play Metroid 2 in a better setting. Um, which, if an official uh, official Nintendo release product comes out and that's the thing, I don't think that people are going to settle for second best. Um, uh, in terms of uh, Smash Bros. mod... Uh, Project M. Um, I'm sad to see that shut down because I feel like that was a massive part of the Smash community coming together and being like, hey, we can do all this shit with the game. But again, uh, like, it's... It comes down to... Uh, because you could you could actually just mod your brawl uh, on your Wii and do it that way, mm. and obviously that's against TOS. Like, you can't do anything about that. Yeah. Um... So I th- I have a feeling that the reason they were targeted was simply so that people would stop hacking their damn Wii's because it also led to piracy issues. Um, because you know uh, Nintendo consoles, uh, specifically uh, specifically the Wii, the DS, the 3DS, um they've they've all been very highly highly achievable uh moddable consoles mm. yeah which um could very well lead to like insane bounce of piracy so um it's uh it's probably more to the fact that they didn't want that exploit being out there uh in the droves rather than the actual fan project itself uh being being accessible to people. Mm. Uh, Sakurai has obviously paid attention to Project M and, you know, the community surrounding that game and that mod, rather, and uh, he sees that, you know, there's passion in the community there. It's just unfortunate that because because there's actual ties to possible piracy issues that something like that can't exist. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Paul? How do you feel about it? Yeah, I'm I'm largely the same for the most part there. Um it's it's a bit of a shame that some of these projects die. Um because some of them show a lot of promise. Uh what they all need to be doing is do what uh the team who and sorry, the name escapes me, but those who created Blossom Tales did and create a Zelda game but don't call it that. Yeah. <laughs> um uh and then you'll see all of a sudden your your Metroid knockoffs or whatever I mean knockoffs in a super respectful way I don't mean they're just you know cash grabs or anything like that sort of thing but um, like you'll see those sort of projects live on because Nintendo doesn't see the name and latch onto it and go after it um, I, I've wondered and it's not something I've followed for a while now but there was a there was a Mother 4 fan game that was in development for a while there I'm not sure where that stands at this point that was something that was really ramping up for a while there and then just kind of died to my the best of my knowledge no right um because i love me some earthbound <laughs> um and 
I would love to still play Mother 3 legitimately. And if someone's able to create a fourth one, whether they're the core team or not, that would also go down really, really well. But, um, I look, it's it's a tricky sort of space. We know Nintendo's going hard at the moment. You guys have spoken about the, the emulation sites that have been killed off and those sorts of things recently. Um, and, yeah, you spoke about AM2R. Like, that one made a ton of sense when the Samus Returns announcement came along because they were quicker than usual. Like, Nintendo is sometimes happy to let the team... It's, it almost seems kind of sadistic where they the team... Get, oh, we're about 10% away, we're nearly done, and that's when Nintendo comes in and goes, nah, it's over, ha, sucked in. Um, <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> it, it's not like... Uh, like, they probably heard about it two weeks after the game was first deve- uh, announced that it was a thing, but they'll wait until the very end and go, all those years, you just wasted, psych. Um, well, to, to be fair, the people making these games should know that, like... Well, they, they they absolutely should. It's the risk you take. Yeah. But uh, I do, in a really sadistic way, appreciate Nintendo's approach to this sort of thing. Um, well, at least, they, at least they let it breathe for a little bit. They let the developers do yeah. what they want. And w- when they see it maybe coming to like a point where it's taking focus away from their games or you know, some people might be even trying to make a profit out of it, whether it's from people not necessarily buying it, but, you know downloading it and getting ads on their site that's when Nintendo seemed to get a bit antsy about it yeah 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 I think like you said yeah if it's if it's impacting another product uh, then they're pretty quick to pounce on it and that was exactly what happened with AM2R mm. whereas the rest they're pretty happy to let it just drag out until they decide it's finally time to pull the plug what I really hope is that some of these teams uh, some of these people these little indie teams or whatever that are creating these games actually get opportunities because of it so maybe it's yeah. not necessarily through Nintendo, but maybe someone sees their work um, and latches onto them. I think that'd be fantastic because these people are showing a lot of talent. Um, AM2R was looking awesome. The Mother 4 team are doing great work. Uh, whether that still exists or not, I have no idea. But they were anyway, as of the last time I checked. Um, and I'd love for some of these people to actually get picked up or maybe they just pivot their focus and go, well, no, let's let's try and create a game that's not going to get taken away from us at some point like there's promise there yeah like if I was going to make a game like as much as I like Nintendo I, I just you know it's it's I wouldn't touch their IP because you know what's going to happen you're going to put years and years of work into something and it's going to be taken down and you've got no leg to stand on because it is their IP and they've got every right to do that to you and to be fair I think like the com- when this conversation comes up, it's typically centered on Nintendo, mm. but I think most other games publishers would do the same. It's just oh, yeah, that they absolutely. don't have like like people aren't going out and trying to create an Uncharted fan game, no, because yeah. Naughty Dog's still been doing that. Um, people don't go out and create Halo fan games because Microsoft uh, three four three are already doing that. Like um, some of these other companies, be it first party or third party, don't have the same amount of cachet that Nintendo do yet and they don't have that library of IP that people mm. have spent 20, 30 years adoring. Um, so people don't necessarily have that motivation yet to go out and create something based on that IP that they love. Yeah, absolutely. And I, Whereas with Nintendo, they do. Yeah, and I think it's also to do with the fact that like with Pokemon, for example, you can, you can get a 
Game Boy Advance emulator and you can sort of rip apart the Game Boy Advance game and you can sort of dabble in that then you can work into eventually what these guys did with uh, Uranium and make like a, a game from the ground up as well I feel like yeah just like doing 2D side scrollers and RPGs is a bit easier than going okay let's uh, compete with Naughty Dog <laughs> on yeah. a huge story oh, for sure. and, yeah yeah just just the type of games Nintendo make I think leans itself into uh, indie development a little bit better yeah if you want to do Uncharted just do an awesome fan movie yeah just copy Indiana Jones then you'll probably end up with Uncharted anyway <laughs> oh. uh, I, I actually prefer Uncharted to Indiana Jones so I'm not throwing any shade there <laughs> I got the thumbs up that's awesome <laughs> Alright guys, that is the end of the podcast. Thank you guys very much for joining me today. Thanks a lot for having me. No worries, Bryce. Thanks. For, it was good to be back. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Bryce. <laughs> yeah, like I uh, you know, don't exist every week. And, yeah, not like you do every week, yeah. <laughs> Alright, Paul, this is where you can just plug absolutely everything you want. Oh jeez, alright. Um all right, so I guess I might start with my Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at PaulJamesP2. Um, I'll have links to all my different articles and videos and bits and pieces there. Uh, the website, player2.net.au, reviews, previews, opinion pieces, etc., etc. And the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash player2.net.au. Um, and on the YouTube channel is probably where I'm doing most of my work these days. Uh, I've got Patched, which is our weekly games-related podcast about whatever topic might emerge uh the insider which is a me me with the camera essentially just talking to very specifically in about 10 minute burst about a particular big topic from that week um last week's was the whole philip newson thing uh and then my latest baby which has taken me about nine months to actually get together eight of those months i was just sitting on my hands doing nothing (laughs) but we'll say we'll say it took nine months it was i slaved away for nine months um, and the product was this new series I've got called Gamer School, where I'm essentially diving into the archives on a particular IP, and maybe I'll do a developer at some point, um, and kind of pulling apart that franchise based on its history, the mechanics, the a whole bunch of like I'm I'm a teacher by profession, so I'm trying to break it up as if it were a series of lessons. Um, and the first one I'm doing is the Mana franchise, which has a long Nintendo history, Secret of Mana, and all those sorts of games over the journey. Yep. Um, and that's kind of where I've started, and it's taken a while, but it's finally starting to roll out. Yeah, I really enjoyed that first episode, by the way. Uh, I like I don't know a whole lot about the Mana series, so listening to uh, you talk about it and inform me on like the uh, the game that never come to the west and things like that I was like oh shit I never knew there was a, a missing game we missed out on like yeah and it's one of those ones that's almost uh, considered the best of the lot yeah and the Japanese actually have a bundle on the Switch now that's got the original Secret of Mana and then Seekin Densetsu 3 the one that we missed mm. and I wish that would come to the west yeah Square Enix Nintendo make it happen guys I saw late last year there's heaps of people like jealous like making Japanese accounts and then also complaining that they can't read Japanese so it was a waste of time (laughs) (laughs) I want Children of Mana back yeah that was underappreciated I say that was I actually really enjoyed that DS game that was a really good DS game Mm. 
Yeah, I was. I think I dabbled in it on DS, but I can't remember it to be honest. I mustn't have played much. It's a little little dungeon crawler that one. Yeah, yeah. I actually really liked it. <laughs> All right, Bryce. Where can they find you on Twitter? Because you're a big name changer these days. Uh, is this pick on me day or what? What the hell is going on? All right. Oh, obviously, it must be. Yeah. All right, you can shove in your own hole at IV Revan, uh, and Twitch is the same. Uh, Twitch.tv forward slash IV Revan. And on both of those platforms, he is more civil than Left 4 Dead. Uh, <laughs> are, are you more civil than Left 4 Dead? No. Oh, there you go. You've heard it here, guys. Uh, you can find. <laughs> I've lost my civility. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Twitch at iDruby and you can find the Discord community in the show notes below. We've got a great Discord community full of Nintendo fans and uh, gamers alike. It's good fun in there. Talk to them every week. Um, Metadox and Jamie who left questions. Thank you very much. Very much appreciated. Um, and this is one thing we never actually said on the podcast either. We have a playlist on our SoundCloud account where we keep all the Nintendo jukebox. So if you've liked any of the uh, tunes or songs that we've played in the past, you can go there and have a look. We've actually never said that. <laughs> and what are we are 57 episodes in, so, you know, first time's a charm. Um, and if you feel so inclined, go on iTunes, leave us a review, and if you don't have an Apple podcast uh, account, tap your friend on the shoulder and go, Oi, there's this podcast. Give them a USB with uh, episodes on it and... Uh, inject it into their blood I don't know (laughs) (laughs) that took a turn did it though did it though after all this did it take a turn (laughs) no not really (laughs) (laughs) and we're doing something different with Nintendo Jukebox this week Uh, we've actually had a suggestion by Jamie Penning he left me this uh, suggestion a while ago and I uh, just got around to a having a listen to it and it's really good it's a Metroid Prime remix of uh, the space uh, pirate theme it's a heavy metal remix so it sounds really cool um, and it's not on SoundCloud it's on www.metroidmetal.com so I'll be interested to sort of go around this website and check out a few more of uh, the music on here see if it's like just all Metroid metal music a whole website dedicated to metal Metroid music so there's that <laughs> I'm interested. (laughs) All right, guys. We'll see you next week, and uh, stay fresh. Don't get cooked. Stay off the hook. Be be more civil than left for dead. Ah!